I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. It was really cute that we got a tweet at I us. Know. I think it was yesterday, but I, I responded to her today. She was saying how she was binging our podcast, and she started doing the spiel with us in the beginning. <laughs> it made me so happy. It also validated me that we do it the exact same way every time. We do. I think it's just so ingrained in us. And like I told you how sometimes it turns on. We finally turned it off my computer where we had the Apple remote and it would turn on. Really, you can't tell the difference between episodes because it sounds exactly, exactly the, the same. same. I know. I know. It's crazy. And now I feel okay about that. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. We want to keep it consistent for you all. That's, that's what you, right. That's what we try to do. So today is the day after Father's Day yes. when this episode releases. Not for us. We're recording on a Friday night, which is odd. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a weird week. Oh, God. It's been a tough week it's, for me. Yeah, like, same. Lord. Um, But we decided since last year's motherhood episode and actually this year's motherhood episode went so well and were such successes both to us and I think also to our listeners that we should also do a fatherhood episode. Definitely. Because fathers are important for better or for worse in your life. Exactly. So um, do we want to kickstart it off? Talking. Should we talk about our dads? Talking about our dads? I'll I'll talk about my dad. All right. Um, I, I... Debated on to whether or not to write something or to just talk about him, and I decided just to talk about him because it's very hard to figure out how to condense, you know, almost 27 years of bullshit in my life with him into like a very short period of time. Um, just to kind of like scratch the surface and start with a positive, my dad is a brilliant artist like absolutely brilliant painting charcoal drawing he was an art director for an ad agency in minneapolis for like 30 some years he worked his ass off um that was kind of part of the problem he worked too much and that was kind of his life that was his baby and everything that mattered to him and um he had a very very rough childhood His parents divorced very young. My grandma was addicted to painkillers. My grandfather was kind of this womanizing man who wasn't there for him. And he lived in L.A. actually with my grandma for most of his childhood. And then when he lived with his father, um, he had remarried and had other children. And he never really felt like he belonged. So he did have a very, very rough childhood. And that kind of translated to me. And actually, my mom told me a story last night that really encompasses everything about my dad. She mentioned that um, something about how he was never nurtured as a child. 
And he said, well, my, my mom told me how great I was all the time. And like told me about all the things that, that I did well. And she was like, no, but you weren't, you weren't nurtured. And he just kind of looked at her and he goes, what does that mean? Well, yeah. And I like that. I think was, it's so much about that generation too. A lot, a lot of people, I think, from that generation, that was kind of just like standard, especially depending on where you grew up, yeah, and how you grew up. But it explains so much because that was how it was with me. You know, I was either like a fun kind of like friend, like a plaything, you know, where we would play and do whatever. Um, or he wanted nothing to do with me. He didn't go to any, he went to one skating competition in nine years that I competed. He didn't go to any school events. Most of my friends thought that my mom was a single mom. Um, my dad is also an extremely high functioning, but extremely, um, heavy alcoholic. And he's lost his marriage. He's lost his relationship with me because of it. We haven't spoken in almost three years. Um, it's been a lot of lies, a lot of manipulation, a lot of, um, just very, you know, me trying to fix the relationship and him continually letting me down. And I guess that's kind of what led to us not having a relationship anymore. I'm actually going to be in Idaho where my parents live in a week. And I guess he wanted to meet my boyfriend and it was just kind of this whole thing. And it really drove home that, he doesn't understand why we don't have a relationship anymore. And it would be a very long episode if I went into everything. Um, the basis of it is that he's chosen alcohol over me, and he always has. Alcohol and his job were always more important than anything that I could say or do or be a part of. So I've finally decided that I'm going to write him a letter because I haven't I haven't had any communication with him in almost three years just to explain to him the things that he would need to do to enter my life again, uh, the reasons why he's not a part of my life anymore, and explain to him that I'm not mad at him. I don't harbor any anger or hatred toward him, um, but that he's just simply a toxic person in my life. And honestly, my life has been better without him in it for the last three years. And I've never had a father figure. He was not a father figure in my life. My father figures have been, um, my uncles, my friends of the family, um, boyfriends, parents, things like that. Those have been my positive male, um, role models in my life. My dad has never been a positive, loving, nurturing person to me. So it never really felt like a loss, but I have to say father's day is really hard for me. Um, it brings with a lot of guilt uh, it brings up a lot of pain from growing up and um, really wishing that things were different between us and having to kind of accept the fact that it's probably never going to change. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the thing that a lot of people can relate to, whether it be with family in general, you know, like whether it be your father or your mother or another family member. You don't always get to choose that. I mean, some people are are lucky enough uh, to choose their family in a way, but I feel like a lot of people feel the way that you feel. Yeah. And it's it's really hard to try and figure out how to navigate that and how to um, move forward with it because I know a lot of people who don't feel like they can cut out people who are toxic from their lives. They don't feel like they can or, you know... Especially your parents. It's really hard. Especially your parents. And I also think that different people have different thresholds for what is... What what, what their limit is. Yeah. Right? You know, like, I think everybody is different in that way. And some people are just willing to be like, this is who you are. That's fine. I will only interact with you on these days some people can't do that you know it's it's just it varies so much from person to person such a personal decision and you know I've I've been distant from my dad in every aspect since I was about 12 years old when I first asked him to stop drinking and I have I, I think I've repressed a lot of this memory I just have a memory of sitting on the stairs and him yelling at my mom about me not even looking at me and saying how dare this child tell me what to do and then have me just completely break and my mom stay with me for the rest of the night. And I just remember him coming upstairs 
and going to put his hand on me and I just slapped it away. I, to that day, he couldn't, I couldn't get a hug from him. He couldn't put his hands on me in any way without me having just a violent, awful reaction. And I think once I was old enough to start realizing how emotionally abusive and manipulative he was and how little he truly cared about me and how he loved all of my accolades, that was when I realized that it was time for me to step aside. Um, but it's hard when, especially families, like, he's not going to live forever, or like, he's your dad, you don't give up on family. And it's very hard to have people understand. And I've lost a lot of family through this. And I was very close. My godparents are is his sister. And it's her okay husband. to cut out toxic people from your life. Exactly. Like, you know, you, and that's what I've learned. You can't hang, you can only tolerate what you can tolerate. And again, different people have different thresholds for that. So nobody, people might have a difficult time understanding, but nobody can tell you that you're not t trying hard enough or yeah. like doing. I mean, people will, and they do. Right. I mean, and that that's but, fine. Yeah. But like the reason why it doesn't really hold any weight is because maybe they would do it differently because they're a different person than you. And that's but okay. Like, and what, they don't. And they don't know my experience. Right. Either. But what you can handle is what you can handle, and like yeah. that's that's it on that you yeah, know and no one and, else can really tell you yeah and that's why you know you hear me talk about my mom all the time because she was she was my parent she was everything she was ev I was an only child and she is the person who raised me supported me did everything she was my mother and my father figure growing up so now that kind of explains my yeah. my relationship with my mom a little bit too you know we're kind of in our family as we were all that we had and you know that we had to go through a lot of therapy separately as we got older too just realized certain parts of our relationship were a little bit codependent and unhealthy and I'm glad to say we're in a very good place in our relationship we can go like a week without talking and you know we're good and love each other very much so I'm more than anything thankful to have her as yeah my mom. yeah How's your turn, Keegan? Huh, okay. Um, well, I have two dads, <laughs> which is kind of a, a cool thing. Uh, my biological dad passed away when I was two. He, you know, died under very difficult circumstances for my family. Uh, that m my relationship with my biological dad, even though I don't have any real solidified memories of him... Uh, there's still a relationship there built on the memories of the people around me and the things that people have told me all my life about him, which has allowed me to construct this kind of, like, idea of, of who he is. And it's been very, very difficult because my dad committed suicide. So it's it was very hard growing up. I remember having many conversations with my mom where I would go through phases where I was, like, really, really angry about it because I I said to her, I was like, why weren't we important enough for him to want to stick around? Like, it, it felt very personal. Yeah. And that's something that you, as you get older, kind of wrap your head around that it, it wasn't about you or a lack of love. Um, or anything like that, and it was a completely different circumstance. But it was it was hard because while my uh, stepdad has been in my life since I was three and is my dad, you know, whenever you hear me usually on this podcast talking about my dad, that's who I'm talking about. He's been in my life since I was three years old. Um, it is different, and you know, he had a conversation with me recently, my my stepdad, uh, where he told me. You know, he's never really been able to talk to me or talk to us kids. He's just, he had a very, very difficult childhood full of a lot of trauma. He had a lot of physical abuse in his childhood. He, talk about fathers. His, he had to change his last name. My uh, stepfather was a junior, so he had the exact same name as his father. He had to change his last name because his father was taking out credit cards in his name, mm. bought cars with his name, oh, ruined his credit. My dad um, is a junior as well. Yeah. So he actually had to change his last name. Mm -hmm. So he had a very bad relationship with his father. His mother's bipolar. It was a wow. very difficult, difficult childhood. Yeah. He did not develop communication skills or ways to make good bonds. So just recently in the last year, he's actually been able to talk to me like now that I'm an adult and tell me like how 
hard it was for him to be a stepfather because he loved us like we're his children. He legally adopted us. Yeah. Um, but he was only 22 whenever he got wow. with my mom. So wow. he became a father of two young children at 22. When he was very young. A, a yeah. three and a four-year-old at that age. Wow. And so he did not know how to navigate what was appropriate, what was yeah. not appropriate, like uh, where to step in as a, as a step parent. I can parent. see where that would be really hard. Yeah, I mean, because my dad's family was still in our lives, of course, and, you know, it was just trying to navigate how we were all supposed to work together, and I don't fault him for that, but because of that, I really do feel like, you know, I, even though I have two dads, I didn't have a dad in the way that I see other people have relationships yeah, with their dads. Exactly. Like, I don't, I don't have that. Like Father-daughter I, relationships are so foreign they're, to me. They're very foreign to me and as almost, well. Like it first time seeing like a loving father-daughter relationship made me so uncomfortable. Like it felt wrong to me. Well, yeah, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. It. Even though I know my dad like loves me so much. Like he, I asked him to walk me down the aisle and he's like so excited about yeah. it and like very happy and like, um, you know, we have a lot of love for each other, but we don't have a lot of closeness. Like, there's yeah. not that kind of, like, those those close b- bonds don't exist. Comfortability and, right, like, right. affection. Um, yeah, yeah, yes. exactly. So it's, it's one of those things where I have two dads who I have no doubt loved me very much, and I know, you know, love me, but I, I still don't have that cozy kind of relationship that I see other people have. Yeah. And so it does, it is a, it's a strange thing. It, yeah. It, it, it's always made me feel like I was missing out a bit. Absolutely. At, while at the same time having it be something so bizarre to me, like seeing um, both my past relationship and my current relationship, they both had sisters, seeing them with their fathers being so affectionate and um, like physically affectionate, emotionally affectionate, so comfortable with one another is so it's all it's still jarring to me when I right. see it. Yeah. It's so foreign yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. But it also just makes me it makes me sad and makes me happy at the same time because it's hard to see that and know that I never had that and I no, never will have that with my biological father. Um, but I'm glad. I'm so glad that I have so many amazing and continue to receive so many amazing male role models. And I'm in my glad life, that other you know? people have that. Like I think that that's wonderful. So like glad. I, I think that that's beautiful. But that's what you need. But you know, it, it is what you need. But at the same time, I think that a big reason why we wanted to have this episode is because there are a lot of ways to have that relationship. Yes. And, you know, while we might deem some as being better than others, and I would definitely say I wish I had a a closer kind of relationship like that with my dad, um, I still very much value what I do have, you know, and I think that there's value to be found in all kinds of relationships. Yeah. So, um, I'm interested to kind of like read some of these same, stories same. and 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 hear what other people have to say. Can you know, you, do you have your stepfather's last name or your biological father's? I last have name? my biological father's last okay. name. Yes. I was just curious because I don't, I don't really know any of Keegan's family, so I don't really know like who has what last name. And yes, like that. I have my biological father's last name, and you know, even when I get married next year, I am probably going to hyphenate my last yeah. name because I. Even though, you know, of course, it was a difficult thing to deal with with my my dad, and I I went through a lot of ups and downs and still continue to. The more I learn about my dad, I I still continue to have a lot of ups and downs and feelings about my biological father. This is a link to him, and it's a link to my grandparents who are no longer with me, and... um, and it's my name. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't exactly. want to lose my name. See, and it's, you know, Keegan goes by her first and last name professionally and on this show. And I'm not, you know, my last name is Haggerty. That's not a secret. But I go by just Madigan professionally because I I don't want to have a tie to that name anymore. Um, I feel like, you know, my first name is a last name. You know, it kind of encompasses the whole thing. But um, I, it, I want to sever that tie. I look forward to taking 
um, my future husband's name. And I feel like that would be a really interesting episode to discuss because I've I've gone through that. Is it unfeminist for me to take? I think a lot of a name? lot of people feel that way. But for know. me, it's more. It's like it's it's a it's a fresh start. It's a restart, and that's why you know no matter what my last name is, I'm always just Madigan. Right. I mean, I think we should definitely have a conversation about. Uh, yeah. We'll have an episode, especially as it gets closer to my wedding. Uh, yeah, we should totally have wedding talk. Uh, and and it being feminist or or whatever but you know I know we need to move on to read stories but I do I do want to say this because I'm sure other people feel the same way as you about and I'm not gonna lie like as a feminist and as somebody who's probably going to be keeping my last name in some capacity um it it has been something that's crossed my mind as being unfeminist because of the roots of taking your husband's last name yeah but uh in a wedding group that I'm in there was a woman struggling with that and feeling like it was unfeminist that, be, that she wanted to take her husband's last name. And someone in that group actually said, you are choosing your name, yeah. you know, which is feminist. There's exactly. power in choosing your name because, yes, your name is yours. And that's how I feel. My name is mine and I don't want to give it up. But your name also came from your came from another man. Exactly. So this is you making a decision yeah. about what you want your name to be, which is feminist, yeah, in, in my I opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, let's get down to the stories. Yes. Uh, Keegan, do you want to kick us off? Do you want to read Sienna's first? We'll sure. Start with yeah, our, let's start with... With our girl, Sienna, and who never I, fails to disappoint. She, she will never disappoint us. She will never let us down. And this, I think, will be right before... Yes, this is going to be the last episode to come out before her 30th birthday. <gasps> Sorry if you don't want us outing your age on this podcast, but happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Happy early birthday. I didn't want to wait until our mini episode because that'll be the day after your birthday. So yes, happy, happy birthday, Sienna. Happy birthday. We love you so much. So much. And I love your dad, who you're about to talk about. So I love her family. She says, hey, y'all asked for stories for Father's Day, so here I am. So let me start by saying I have the best dad, she really does. A story that comes to mind when thinking of my dad, which I may have already shared, question mark? I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, when I was in grade school, the unit we were working on was something to do with the rainforest and animals. The project for each student was to pick a rainforest animal, any animal, replicate it, and bring it to school to present to the class. I chose a golden lion tamarind. I was obsessed at the time. My beautiful soul of a dad helped me create a stuffed animal version of the golden lion tamarind. I don't remember much of the actual creating part, just that it was mostly made out of a golden color round pillow that we for some reason had around the house. And dad did a lot of sewing. It may have been the goofiest creation of all time, but I treasured it and still treasure the memory of it. I feel like this says a lot about my dad because he is an uh, Indian motorcycle riding, beer drinking, car repairing, insert other quote manly stereotypes here, but he is really just a big rough looking teddy bear. Also, dad tried to teach me basic car repair, maintenance, oil change, air air up tires, changing tires, etc. when I was a teen, and I'm now kicking myself for blowing it off. When I was, like, damn near 25, I finally realized Mm -hmm. that all that would come in handy. Dad never wanted me to have to rely on a guy for stuff like that, and I appreciate it all now that I'm older. Hindsight is 2020. Anyway, Bill Wayne is amazing Mm -hmm. and kind of my hero. He's who I blame for finding dad jokes as entertaining as I do. Love you, ladies. Keep up the great work. I love that. Her dad is lovely. He that just he's, he's a great person. Mm, Thank you so it. much, Sienna, for submitting your story. Yeah, that's like that's one thing that about my dad that I always loved is he was not afraid to play Barbies with me. Like he was, he or I could put him in a tiara and things like that. He was never too I like parents, manly. Parents, I don't think always know what memories I don't think we always know what memories are going to like stick out in yeah. our brains like I remember my dad helping me I came home and I had to do like a thing for 
my uh, presentation for class in elementary school. I was probably in, like, fourth grade, and it was supposed to be the solar system. Mm -hmm. And I remember my dad going into the kitchen and pulling out a bunch of different cups in a bunch of different sizes. Yeah. And sitting down with me with different colors of construction paper and using the different size cups to, like, draw or trace them out so we could get different sizes for my planet so we could build this, like, diorama of of the planets. I love it. Of the solar system. It's the little things. Yeah, and I remember that. And it's it's probably not anything that he was, like, when she's 29, she's she's going to remember, you know. And talk about it on a podcast, you know, because podcasts didn't exist yet. Very true. All right. Our next one is from Cody. He says, Dear Keegan and Madigan... First off, I love your pod. Thank you so much for the work that you do and all your listen and all your listeners. I debated about writing in because I'm a person that sometimes needs parameters in order to keep my random thoughts in check. So pardon me if I ramble a bit, but I wanted to share my experience as a father to a daughter. I'm a 33-year-old father of a four and a half-year-old daughter. That half is very important, and I would be corrected <laughs> by her if I ever forget it. I was the That's same so true. way. The fact that she is confident and will set the record straight is something I am most proud of. I grew up in a very conservative town in Washington State and never felt like my ideals jived with most of the community around me. Many mothers were stay-at-home moms, and many dads wore jorts and drank a lot of beer <laughs> while their wives took care of the home. However, this was not my home. My mother worked full-time as a nurse. She was involved in all the parent groups at school, ran the booster club, and shared household duties with my dad. The thing I admired most was their teamwork, how both of them insisted they were equals. Okay, my house was a bit of a matriarchy. While going through school, I was very self-focused and didn't notice how marginalized women were in my community. Once I went to college and was more engaged in sociology, I started seeing the things in a different light. All of those experiences set me up to become the father I am. My brother is a traditionalist. He speaks about having guns to keep boys away from his daughter. He also treats his daughter much different than his son and has different expectations for them. I, on the other hand, seek to encourage my daughter to use her voice, work through emotions, and make decisions to the best of her ability. When I was first expecting her, I was shocked how invested people were in the genitals of my child before she was born. I was told, you want a boy. Girls are hard. You have to worry about all these boys, etc. I can't believe how wrong they were. I am beyond happy I had a girl. She is insightful, stubborn, caring, caring, and outgoing. I work to encourage her to learn about amazing women to look up to. I highlight great achievements made by women and introduce her to all the amazing women I work with. I also work to model what a healthy and supportive relationship looks like. My hope is that I empower my daughter to make the best choices she can for her, to learn from mistakes, and to seek guidance when she feels she needs it. Never will I, quote, clean my gun when a date comes over or tell her to change her clothes because what she's wearing is too revealing. She will have the choice, just like I did as a young man growing up. I know I won't be perfect, but every day when I see her face, I ask myself if I'm being the best father to a daughter I can be. It's the only way I can show her how truly amazing she is just as she is. That is so sweet. Cody, I'm not crying. It's fine. That I'm so happy that a father wrote us. Like I know. You know, I wasn't expecting to get any fatherhood stories from a father i know me neither that is like reading that is like everything that i ever like wanted in a dad it's just it's beautiful and i love it it's beautiful thank you so much for for writing us this this one is from kiara Hey, girlies. So I wanted to write you guys about my dads. I wrote you guys on Mother's Day last year about my kick-ass mom, 16-year-old, pregnant, shitty situation. Mm -hmm. I remember that story. Mm -hmm. Uh, She is pretty great. But I wanted to take the time to tell you guys about my sperm donor and my dad. I know that statement is kind of confusing, so let me explain. My sperm donor is the man that walked out. He refused to take any responsibility in my life uh, that could not even try to play an active role. He was abusive to my mother and other women in front of me. He constantly berated me for not being black enough, I'm mixed with white and black, that I didn't know where my roots were because I talked white, which is an insane thing to say. Girl, girl, I relate so hard. (laughs) That was something that I got a lot growing up. Really? Yeah. He was always the last person to show up to any big event in my life or miss it all completely. The foundation of our relationship was what I could do for him. He used me as a little girl to pick up women. Ew. Mm. He was the worst. 
Now, 25, I have forgiven him for his inadequacies as a father, and now I understand some people aren't supposed to have kids, and that's okay. Yep. But I was so incredibly lucky because when I was three, my mom started dating my dad, stepdad. He is the complete opposite of my sperm donor. He was the first one at any school function I had. He would always introduce me as his daughter. When people would give him a confused look after introducing me, he would always follow up with, I know, we look just alike. It's crazy. (laughs) He's white, so people were always trying to figure out how both my dad, in quotes, and mom were white. He was there for every cut bruise and every heartbreak. When I was in high school, I started self-mutilating, and he found out, and he sat there with me and just listened and got me the help I need. My dad has taught me that blood is not thicker than water. He has always made me feel enough and heard. He has always seen me and has never turned his back on me. He constantly is the place for me to turn to for advice. He was the first person to show me that love does not come with conditions or expectations. It's not an exchange of goods. Mm -hmm. Well, that's my fatherhood story. I've lived on both sides of the spectrum. I have a shithead for a father and then the best dad you can ask for. Sorry about how long this is. No apology necessary. Yeah. You ladies are killing it. Thank you so much for being so open and honest in this podcast. Thank you for making a safe place for women. Love you guys and rage on, Kiara. I... I love that. I can relate a lot to the first half of that, not in specific instances, but in the exchange of goods kind of portion of that. My, um, my like, good things I've done in my life have always kind of been, like, another nickel in my dad's pocket. Like, oh, look what I did, that kind of thing. I think a lot of people look at their children, and I think that this is a big part of what gets people in trouble as far as parental relationships go. I think a lot of parents, and I think that we have in a lot of ways set it up this way, that a lot of parents believe that their children are extensions of themselves. Mm -hmm. And so their accomplishments are your accomplishments, you know? Yeah. Uh, And that's just not true. And that somehow, like, who they are is... It is a reflection on your parents in one way, it is a reflection. Yeah. But they don't get to claim everything yeah. that you do and your achievements and yeah. who you are. You yeah, know? and for him it was like proof that he is a good dad because oh look, my daughter is a she can draw and she's in the arts and she's doing these things. I mean my dad got me my first radio commercial, you know, so for him that was like all he needed to be like, hey, look what I created, you know, that kind of thing. Right. He's taking he's he's taking your accomplishments and adding adding them to his own as his own accomplishment. Exactly. And, you know, I also think that there's a lot of ego involved with parenting. So yes. whenever she is talking about how his daughter wasn't black enough or wasn't this or wasn't that, yeah. it's because it wasn't what he wanted. Yeah. You know, his ego was, was bruised in that way yeah. because she wasn't enough like him and that was a problem. It's. It, I do think that there's a lot to do with... I, some people have kids because it's an exercise in narcissism for them. Yeah. You know, I think a lot I of agree. people do that. But Oy. thank you so much for writing thank into you. us. We love your stories that you send in. Thank you. This next one is from Ramon. Ramon. Ramon is our shining star on Facebook, yes, you guys. Yes, he's our, our number one... Shining star. On Facebook. Keegan and Madigan, about eight years ago, I volunteered to work as a tutor for an organization called School on Wheels. Their goal is to provide tutors to homeless children wherever they may be. I was assigned to tutor a fourth grade boy named Tyrese starting in September of 2011. Technically, he was homeless because he was living in a women's shelter with his mother. The two-bedroom apartment they lived in was comfortable, but I believe that the arrangement caused them stress. The apartment building was at a secret location to keep the women and children safe from the men in their lives. The building had a common room where I would tutor Tyrese and usually saw other tutors there with students. Sometimes I would work with Tyrese in his apartment. My job was to help him with his homework, usually math. I agreed to do this for a year, spending at least 30 minutes a week. I tutored Tyrese in a way that I wish I could work with other students. As a teacher, I have to work with usually large classroom fo- with a usually large classroom full of students. I don't get to work with them one-on-one most of the time, but I was able to give Tyrese all my attention. I was told that he had ADHD, but that he was taking medication for it. 
His assessment scores showed that his math and English skills were below grade level. I offered him help and encouragement. I did not push him if he didn't like the work. One time he refused to do a math worksheet, and I just sat there doing nothing with the worksheet in front of him on the table. It's too hard, he said. It's only a little hard, I said. He reluctantly started working on the math problems again. I found that I had to find out how he learns to help him improve his math skills. At one point, I used multimodal strategy to help him with subtraction. By multimodal, I mean that I combined writing skills with math skills. For example, I had him write 17 minus 8 equals 9, and he had that written out as the words. He seemed to enjoy this. I didn't know the details of his life. I don't know if he had a lot of friends at school. We only talked about math and English. He asked permission to write in cursive. I said he could write in cursive if he wanted to. My only purpose was to help him get his grades up. His mother told me that his teacher put him in a group of what she called, quote, math wizards in his class. She told the teacher that a tutor was helping Tyrese, and the teacher said that she thought the tutor had made a difference. I don't know if I was the only adult male giving him attention, but I doubt his father was spending time with him. I'm sure this was a hard time for him, but I could only offer him tutoring. Even in the limited arrangement, it probably helped him to know that someone cared enough to be there for him. In June, Tyrese gave me a Father's Day card, but he crossed out the word father and wrote the word tutor. I thanked him for it and went home. I was glad that I could do something for him, but he needed more than I can give. My last tutoring session with him was in October of 2012. I didn't see him again until until the Christmas party for all the students and tutors in an Italian restaurant in the Pacific Palisades. Tyree said hello and hugged me. He got a Hot Wheels truck and some cars at the party. That was the last I saw him. I always wanted to get married and have children, but that didn't happen. Teaching and tutoring has given me some opportunities to be like an uncle or father to some students. I've known other teachers who didn't have children and said that they've done all the parenting they care to do by teaching. My own teaching career will be coming to an end if I can make the transition to programming. Did I do all the fathering I hope to do? I don't know, but I believe that I made a difference in the lives of kids like Tyrese. Maybe that's enough. Thanks for listening, Ramon. I love that. I love that we are getting such a wide variety of stories today. And from from men. I love And from men. Um, But I love that we have, I think, what we were expecting a lot of, which is women telling stories about their fathers but i love that we also got someone who is a father and i love that we also got someone who is a father figure yeah because that does matter so much and um it's important to have those kinds of people in your life Mm -hmm. and i'm sure that this little kid you probably again we just talked about these like tiny little memories Mm -hmm. that our dads probably don't even remember having having with us when we were children yeah. and certainly probably don't remember d- don't think that we would remember yeah. as vividly as we do i guarantee you made a difference in this in yeah. this kid's life especially at a time that was probably so difficult where he was possibly uprooted from the life that he knew and really needed support of any kind and even if you weren't talking about things specifically going on in his life that's not what everybody needs not everybody needs to sit and talk about things specifically i feel like especially children don't really even know how to articulate a lot of that stuff so just by you teaching him something and working with him that's showing just a very basic level of fatherhood and being a role model well and teaching him something as well it's like i remember me now, I love reading. I love to read. Growing up, I loved to read. I read a lot of, um, like, 18th century literature in elementary school. Yeah. Like, I loved that stuff. But when I was first learning to read, I hated it. Yeah. And I still remember the teacher that really encouraged me and and got me to love and enjoy and be good at reading. Yeah. And that lives with me. So I'm sure it's kind of like a similar thing. Like, if he hated math and he didn't get it and he didn't understand it... Here was this adult, grown-up person, like, taking the time to, like, teach you how yeah. to understand this. Yeah. And it matters. Like, it does. And you take that with you, like, your well, whole life. You, you feel smart and you feel yes, like you've accomplished validated. something and this person helped me accomplish yes, that. Yeah, absolutely. exactly. Okay, I don't know if this person wants their name said, so I'm just going to read the story. Hello. I had wanted to submit my fatherhood story but didn't know how to shorten it up, so bear with me while I try to summarize. I was born at an incredibly young age. My parents got married very young. My biological father struggled with alcoholism as well as being a diabetic. Those two don't mix well. When I was three years old, he died of alcohol poisoning. I'm so sorry. 
My mom was still in school for her master's, and now at the age of 27, she was a single mom raising a wild little me all by herself. That's my age. I can't imagine. My mom was widowed with two kids at 25. I can't. I cannot imagine. It's insanity. Uh, Around the same time, somewhere on the other side of town, there was a man who had just lost his wife to cancer. He was struggling as a single father raising two girls and one boy all older than me. Somehow, by coincidence or by the grace of God, the two met and bonded over the shared experience of being a single parent after tragic loss. They eventually started dating and fell in love. They kept me in the dark for a bit. My mom didn't want me to get attached to him in case it didn't work out. My mom was very adamant that he not infringe on too much of our time. They got more serious. He didn't want it to seem like he was trying to take place of my biological father and let me choose the timing on that. On that. A few weeks before their wedding was the first time I called him dad. He became my dad. I've called him that ever since. In my family, there are no steps or halves. We are all family. The kids from his first marriage are my siblings through and through. I also got new grandparents, <laughs> and everyone loves more grandparents. That's exactly right. We changed my last name when he officially adopted me. I used to get sad when people didn't believe he was my dad or that my siblings are my siblings or when my teacher would ask if my dad was, quote, really my dad during parent-teacher conferences on account that I stood out and didn't look like my Mexican-American family. A little off topic, but in one scenario, a cop pulled my big brother and I over while we were riding to the grocery store because they wanted to, quote, check and make sure we were okay. That is some bullshit. Mm-hmm. I've had that happen to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand why my brother got so scared during this encounter, and it wasn't until later that I realized that the reason the cop had stopped us is because they saw my darker-skinned older brother traveling with a little white child and had automatically assumed something sinister. Racial profiling exists even in woke neighborhoods. I could go off, but I'll get back on track. (laughs) Girl, I hear you. Write that story in later. We We can can talk all about that. Yeah. They set the record straight that family is family. My dad and I's relationship is different than many others because he chose me and I chose him. He chose to take me to my first father-daughter dance to try and teach me softball, uh, to teach me how to cook fideo and huevos rancheros. He's always been my father. He might not have been there from the start, but he made up for it by being there for the rest. He was the one who interrogated my first boyfriend before a date, the one who taught me how to roller skate, or at least tried to. He will be the one to walk me down the aisle when I get married one day. Thank God he can walk better than he can roller skate. It hasn't always been perfect or easy. There's been rough moments, and there's been plenty of struggles. My teen years especially gave way to some hardships between us. We've had our fair share of fights, but at the end of the day, I feel so blessed and so grateful to have him and to have my family. I wouldn't change anything for the world. Much love and rage on. <laughs> Lovely. It's so beautiful. It's beautiful. It's I'm so... loving these stories. Thank you so much. I mean, because it, this is exactly what we wanted from this episode. It's yes. that fatherhood and those relationships and those bonds come in all different ways. Yep. And they're complicated and they're beautiful and they're hard. You know, I love it. It's just, yeah. thank you so much for writing in. Yeah, it's so good. All right. It looks like this is our last one. Hello, Keegan and Madigan. I love your podcast more than anything in all caps. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. More than anything? Jesus, so flattered. Stop. My God. Every single week, it makes me feel so empowered and less alone in my views. Thank you so much for that. My dad's story. My dad was raised in a very low-income family, and so he moved around a lot as a child. He even had to live in a foster home for a while due to my grandmother's abusive boyfriend putting them all in danger. But he has grown up to be an incredibly intelligent, successful engineer and happy father of four, me and my sister, as well as our cat and dog. (laughs) Aw, I love it. Oh, stop. Your fur siblings. Your fur siblings. He may not be incredibly progressive, but he has never ever said a bad word about anyone seen as less than him in society. He is a middle upper class, straight and cis white man living in a very well-off part of the UK. His upbringing made him into an incredible dad he is today. I feel that he would support me through anything and that he would never do anything to hurt me. I think this is so incredible as he was not raised with a real male role model in his life as his dad left him when he was when he was young. My granddad is in all of our lives now, by the way, and has changed so much since then. 
Some people see my dad's lack of a father figure as negative, and that by being raised only by a woman is the worst thing a boy could be. I beg to differ. It has made him understand so much and see that he doesn't need to be a certain way to be a man. He is typically masculine a lot of the time, but he also has a lot of typically feminine traits. He will cry at TV shows, talk to me about my problems, cook, clean, do DIY, build sheds, all of it. My mom works much more than he does and makes more money than him. He, of course, doesn't mind this at all. He is probably grateful to have the privilege to provide for his children how he was never really provided for. I love my dad so much and I'm so proud of everything he has achieved. Thank you know, you. she said something in this story that uh, I feel like is it's a good thing to point out as well, which is that her grandfather wasn't a good dad. It doesn't yeah. sound like to her father. But that he grew and changed and is in their life now. And I, I think that, that that can happen. And that does so happen. That happened. My great-grandfather was probably not the best father. In fact, I think my grandfather, when I, my, my father's father, I think, wasn't the best father whenever he was young. But yeah. he was a great-grandfather. Yeah. You know, and I think it's just people are complicated. It is. It's it's hard for me to imagine a time where I, you know, welcome my dad back into my life and have all of this kind of be um worked through, especially when we've tr- when I've tried so much, but I the idea of that happening is something that both scares me and makes me happy at the same time. Well, and I don't I don't people do I don't change. know that it will happen in every every single situation, of course not, of you course. know, but I I do think it's, it's good to be helpful. It's good to know that it does happen. Yeah. You know, uh, that people are capable of change, I think, is something that's really a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, I also think it's lovely that what she's pointing out here is that how your father was with you, and I think it's, it's a theme that we've seen a, a few times, it doesn't necessarily indicate who you're going to be. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are bound to end up the same way or be, yeah. the, be the same way, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, I think that's kind of the, the goal, you know? If you were raised in a way that um, was not ideal or not what you had in mind, that you can break that cycle. I've been very cautious about my serious relationships because I do want children one day. I want my children to have a close relationship with their father, whether I have a boy, girl, otherwise. You know what I mean? Yes. So, (laughs) yeah, it's, I love, I love these stories. I love, I love all the mention of grandparents. That was another thing. Like, I didn't really have grandparents growing up um, that I love that people have such close experiences with, like, their extended family. And um, it's something that I love also having grandfather and grandmother role models in my life. So I liked hearing just the small mentions of that throughout a lot of the stories Yeah, well. absolutely. Happy. Yeah, you know, not having... You know, I didn't have my stepfather's father in my life for obvious reasons, because he's a very yeah. bad person. Um, but I had my biological's father in my life. I love that. And he was wonderful. Like, I loved him so much. He just passed away this year. Yeah. And I just adored him so much, and he adored me so much, and we had such a great, like, relationship. And, um, that matters, too. I I think we had this kind of mutual unsaid understanding that I was a little piece of his son that he lost, and he was a piece of my father that I didn't have. Yeah. And so we had, like, a really close bond in that way. I love that. You know? So that's beautiful, too. Grandparents can be a gift. Yeah. It's it's another kind of complicated thing. You know, my dad kept my grandparents from me for a lot of my life because they were so harmful to To him. him. And that's something Mm -hmm. for me that I've, I've definitely had to figure out how I could potentially handle that in the future. I'm not going to worry about it yet. I'm not anywhere near having children. Right. We'll see when the time comes, but um I just I love these episodes one because there's no research involved for me. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> um, it's freaking amazing. Two, because I feel like it it brings things up with me. It brings things up with listeners and I feel like, you know, we've said this a million times. The whole point of the show 
was to create a community and to have a group of people that truly understood one another and can see each other's lives reflect in their own. And I feel like when we tell these stories, even if they're not similar to yours, you feel them and you really understand them. And it brings us all so much closer together, no matter where you're listening. We had stories from the UK, you know, like, well, because it brings us all so close together. They're human stories. Yeah. And the thing that always comes out of these for me, whether it's the Mother's Day stories, the Father's Day stories, the coming out stories, whatever we're talking about, where it's people getting to share and reflect on their own experiences, my takeaway is often that people are complicated Mm -hmm. and relationships are complicated and no two relationships are going to be the same. Yeah. Um, Just because... We're complex. Like, yeah. we're, we're very complex creatures. And you, can't lot... ex- and you can't expect your relationship to be the right. same as your friends or the person yeah. you've heard about. Yeah, exactly. and there's a lot going on there, you know. And um, I just love learning about the human experience Me and too. hearing, like, really human stories. So thank you to everybody who wrote in. If you didn't get your story in, I'm sure we're going to try and do something like this again in the future. So feel free. Next year, this time we do this again. Yeah, feel free to write us if you have any other stories that you want to share with us. We have our coming out episode coming uh, at the end of this month. So if you could get all of those to us by the 18th, 18th. yep, uh, that would be wonderful. Uh, We're really looking forward to that episode. We do have a handful of stories already, so thank you so much to those who have submitted already. If you would like to write us, you can do so at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. Send us a DM there if you'd like. You can get us on Facebook. We have a business page and a group page. You can always private message us on Facebook. We do get those messages as well. You can also leave us a review on our business page or on Apple Podcasts. We are always taking new reviews. We will feature your review on Reviews Day Tuesday. Yep. And we do encourage you to listen on Radio Public. That just always helps us out just a little bit, you know? We'll take whatever we can get. We'll take whatever we can get. And guess what? I tweeted today. I twice. what? I tweeted twice two times. Pulling up Twitter times. now. Yes. So if, so proud of you. Thank so you proud. so much. It was very hard. <laughs> hard work for me. Um, oh but God. if you would like to follow us on Twitter, please do so at Yamf Podcast. Y A N F Podcast. I think that's all we got. That's all we got, you guys. Yeah, so happy belated Father's Day. Happy belated Father's Day. Thank you so much for listening. And with all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.